it doesn't matter where we're at. Actually, it's more powerful if we're in a season when it's not going so well. And, and actually, it requires so much more of us to say, you're never going to let me down. It requires so much more in our hearts to say, you're never going to let me down. But I see, I see this picture of Father going, they get it. Because so often in life, the motive that God uses may seem hard, but he's always good. The journey he leads you on may seem hard. It may seem like it's hard. It may seem like maybe God's not for us, but his ways are always good. I'm just back from a trip in Africa, and I met this guy called Frank, and Kayla's laughing because I haven't stopped talking about Frank. Frank is this guy who actually he grew up in a Muslim home, um, and his, his parents were, were, were very much very strict that this is the path that he had to go down, but Frank tells the story of when he was in the mosque, he, he began to pray, began to pray to, to God, like actual God, and he used to get beat because they were like, why are you praying these prayers? But he was just a kid now, he was four, so he had no idea, he had no idea, you know, but he was connecting with the living God. But Frank said this statement to me, because as, as years went by, his life got completely radically changed, and he now follows Jesus, and he was actually our tour guide. Uh, and Frank said to me, what God says and who God says he is, I just believe it. And that's how I live my life. And I, that really hit me, because it was like, we read that God says he's good. We read that God says he's, he's never gonna let us down. But how often do we forget that? And actually, it's crazy, this, we're gonna go into something today, but this is just something that's really on my heart. And as I was really praying um, in preparation for this, um, something that really hit my heart was the story of Job. And we know the story of Job, um, maybe we don't. Job basically goes through a really hard time. God takes him down this journey where his life literally falls apart. Literally, everything that he had, he loses. But Job's this crazy man of faith where he keeps persisting. And he keeps going and going and going. And at the very, very end, there's this like a bunch of chapters. And, and actually, God led me one day to read this. It's really long. There's a bunch of chapters where, where Job says something and God responds. And there's this like dialogue going back and forward. And the temptation is always there for Job to give up. It's always there for him, naturally, because his life's falling apart. But Job keeps going and going and going. And the final chapter, I, I don't know if you know me, but I don't really like reading. So I struggle sometimes reading. So I was reading all these chapters going, God, are we going somewhere here? But I really felt them to keep going, keep reading, keep reading. So I got to the very end, and, and Job says this crazy thing. He says, before I only knew about you, and now I've seen you. But where does he see him? In the troubles. And in the times it's difficult. And so often, those are the times that we think God is good when all of a sudden things are better. But what about church if our, our focus began to shift and realize that even in the times that are tough, God is still good. Even in the times that are difficult, God is still on the move. Jesus says in John 5, my father is always moving. He is always speaking. There is never a moment where your father walks away from you. There is never a second where God goes, I'm done. Good luck. And what if we really grab that? And actually, today, the message that I want to speak on is the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Um, and so let's just pray. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you are good. And I thank you for the freedom that we have to just dance, Lord. And the freedom that we have to be undignified before you, Lord. The freedom that we have to know that you're a father that loves us. God, I just pray you'd make that real. And I just pray right now, in Jesus' name, for people that are here this morning that are struggling to see that you're good. I just pray right now that people are struggling maybe to see that you're a father that is there. I pray that would be broken right now. I pray that we begin to see ourselves as you see us, that we would rise up as a church and realize that we're beloved because of what you did on the cross. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
And so this message, this, this passage in Ephesians 6, if you have a Bible, um, turn to it, we're going we're gonna to stay there for a while. Um, when I was thinking about this and, and really asking God, and, and I, felt like, I felt like God wants to take us on a journey this morning. Phil always does this, I never do this, but turn to your neighbor and say, we're going on a journey. We are. We're going to press into something because so often one of our biggest problems is we don't press in. So often our biggest problem is we get so far, we come to church and we experience God and then we go home and life just keeps on going again. And God's like, press in. There's more. You know, the first revelation I ever had of God was that he was a father that loved me. And I actually had grew up in a Christian home, but I decided to go drink and party and do all that. And God really broke through in my life one day when I was in camp in America and I really felt the touch of the Lord realizing, and I realized that I'm a son, and he's my daddy, and I curled into daddy, and it changed my life, because God is not this God that's distant, I always, I always hit that, because God is not this God that is this religious figure that is so far removed from your circumstances, when you read the Bible, you see a story of love, you see a revelation of a God who's actually closer than a breath, closer than a whisper, and that is his long, but so often what we do is go, God, I've got this, and we, we push God, and we don't allow the truth. And so this story, this, this passage in Ephesians 6, when we read about the armor, I got this picture this morning, Kayla and I were, pause, quick question, or quick, quick point, my beautiful fiance is right there, everyone say hi. <laughs> Kayla and I, sorry to embarrass you, but we, we just got engaged like a week, no, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's been amazing. But um, we were driving up this morning from Dublin, and uh, I was praying about this message, and again, I, I felt this picture of the armor of God can be treated sometimes like a dressing up box. And we kind of poke through it and go, oh, there's this, oh, awesome, cool, there's that, and, there's, and it's like, it's just taught almost sometimes as if it's like this, you know, all these little armored things, and we have the sword and the shield, and when really when I read this passage, this is a call to activation. This is a calling into something. This is not just like a fancy dress kit. This is not just something we, we muck around with. This is real. And we're going to look at that in a second. So turn Ephesians 6. Um, we're going to start at verse 10. And it should be on the screen. It is, yeah. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And so as we do this, we're going to kind of hit the pause button and then go back in. So if you're following underline, it's a really good idea to underline stuff. It's a really good idea to take notes as well. Not that I have everything to say because I'm really relying on God right now. But one of the things, again, that sparked a lot of breakthrough in my life was when I listened to messages, I just take notes or, you know, and maybe a lot of the times maybe something the speaker didn't even say, but I, I saw something. as So just to encourage you, it's good to, to underline and don't be afraid to get messy. Anyway. So verse 10, the first thing God's, that Paul says is be strong in the Lord. You see, the reason Paul says this is because we are not strong alone. And what always happens, especially when life gets difficult, we, we have this instinct, we think we're, we're stronger if we put the stiff upper lip on and we just pretend that life's okay and somebody asks us, how are you? And we're like, I'm good, I've got this. And then God comes along sometimes and he's like, how are you doing? He's like, they're like, I'm good, I've got this. And really it's not good. Really, it's difficult. Really, they actually, you're feeling rubbish inside, but for some reason, our instinct is to do it alone. So the first thing Paul says is be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, when we have this attitude of I'll go my own way, 
what I like to call is the law mindset comes in. Because then what happens is you look at your life through circumstances and you judge your performance. Or you feel like other people is judging your performance. And that's called the law mindset. It's the nature of the law because the law is a set of things that were put in place that was a standard to live by. And what happens is we actually start to create a standard that we think we should live by. And if you're not meeting your standard, you run yourself down, you feel useless. And actually what happens is you look at somebody who you think is doing well and you judge yourself compared to them. Oh, he's doing so good. He's doing amazing. I'm never gonna be like him. One of the things I really am enjoying so far about this journey of being engaged and going towards marriage is that I'm realizing that I no longer can hide. I'm realizing that someone is actually saying that, oh gosh, you know, you may seem like your life's great, but there's things that it's not great. There's things that I do mess up in a lot. And it's recognizing that we are human and recognizing that no one's perfect. So if you have someone in your life that you're looking at going, and and actually it's causing a weight on you because you're going, I could never be like them. You've got to release that because that's a law mindset. That's a standard that you have placed, not God has placed. Because God's standard, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not abolish the law. Fulfill the law so that his standard is now grace. Upon grace. Upon grace. And I see the Bible says that when, when God looks at us, it's like the sin never existed. And so I hate this attitude of like, oh, I'm just this, you know, lousy person. But I'm saved, but I'm lousy. But I'm saved, but I'm lousy. Do you really think that's what Father looks at? Through Jesus, he looks at Billy hugged me this morning. Who loves Billy's hugs? I love Billy's hugs. I love Billy. Billy hugs me and just preaches. And I'm like, mm, hit me, bro. But he was, he was hitting me with that this morning. He was like, when the Father looks at you, he looks through Jesus and he sees grace. And he sees mercy. And that's the thing that gets me up in the morning. Because if I honestly was to look at my life, truthfully, and all the areas and the things that I've walked in, and I was to create, you know, how I think I'm doing, gosh, it wouldn't be good. I think if we're being honest, we're all saying the same, but thank the Lord, Father looks at me through the lens of what Jesus did on the cross and goes, this guy, my son, that's what changed my life. That's like, I honestly, I went through so many stages of coming back into God and falling away. And the thing that changed me was when I realized there was a love in God like I'd never tasted before. This nation is crying out for that because this law mindset, otherwise known as religion, is crippling this country. It cripples our lives. Because what Jesus done on the cross all of a sudden becomes silenced by this idea of law. And I want to read um, this passage to you. It's, it's in Hebrews 10. Um, we're just going to read a couple of verses. So Hebrews 10, verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under the system were repeated again and again, year after year, and they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once and for all, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices only actually reminded them of their sins year after year for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why Christ came into the world. And this just hit me when I was reading this because how often do we slip into that mindset? We, we keep showing up and we keep offering a sacrifice and hoping that it'll make it all better or hoping that maybe if we have this amazing experience in church that all of a sudden my life is better. Amazing experiences in church are awesome 
but it's got to come back to the real thing that you have a father God who loves you and that is relationship with Jesus. It is intimacy. It is knowing that he's real. And so Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Don't be strong in yourself because you're not strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord. Actually, we think that it's a weakness to like surrender ourselves when God says to be vulnerable. Colossians talks about when we, we have died and our old self is hidden in Christ. You're actually released from you. The biggest, the biggest and the greatest and the bestest, if that's even a word, thing that ever happened in my life was when the Lord said, I am freeing you from yourself. Woo! Yes, because I suck. But in you, whoa, I'm different. Oh, all these things that all of a sudden I tried to make new by my own efforts that I never did. And I realized that this thing called grace actually gives me a chance at life. I started to notice things change. Because here's the thing. Grace is not a license to sin. It's not a license to do what you want. Grace actually transforms. And it's this mystery of looking around and going, wow, God, you've changed my life. Because we're being strong in him and his mighty powers. It's not your powers. It's his mighty powers. And so... I told you this was a journey. I'm excited. Let's keep going. And so, quickly before we move on, actually, the next verse. Facing God is your calling. When you're called into sonship, when you're, when you're a Christian, you're now in this posture of Father God is here, and you're here. And by his grace, you're in his affection. And the enemy, we're going to look at the enemy in a second, because it, it's real. There's warfare going on, and a fight for your life every day. And the enemy is behind you. And we, we, I love that song, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. When you read the Bible, the enemy is petrified of Jesus. There's a really cool story of a man that's possessed, and Jesus shows up, and it just sends the demon insane. Rolls in, goes into the pigs, the pigs roll into the water and die. It's a pathetic story. Because they're afraid of the enemy. And so often the enemy brings up the smokescreen to make himself feel bigger than you. And Jesus laughs at the enemy. And his laughter is the thing that scares the enemy away. So we've got to start believing that. We've got to start believing that that's the God we serve, that the God we serve laughs in the face of our enemy. He is not afraid. He is not worried. And so we're facing God. We're told to be strong in the Lord. And the enemy comes and he's like, think about the very first sin, okay? Think about Genesis. What does the devil say? What does the snake say? Did God really say? How many times in your life are you attacked with anxiety because you're believing for something? And then the enemy comes and goes, did God really say? Is he really good? Are you, are you really saved? Are you really, you're not doing well. It's always a counterfeit of what God has put. So you're facing the Lord and the enemy's trying to make you turn. And my question is, why turn and face him? Why do we turn and try and fight all these little battles when we are facing the Lord Almighty who fights our battles? And when we stand and surrender ourselves under God and he says, you're my child, I love you. That is the unshakable foundation. That is what the parable talks about, building your life on a foundation because life is like the waves, chops and changes. And if you're on sand, if you're on affirmation from people, if you're on what other people think, I'm sorry, but you're gonna fall. And I've done that so many times. I get so wrapped up in what people think. Even after a message or worship, you know, it can be easy sometimes to feel a bit insecure. Was that actually good? Father's like, hey, it doesn't matter what was said. I spoke, but I love you. And I'm like, daddy, it's real. I'm sorry if you think I'm weird. I'm not weird. Well, I am weird. But I know my father loves me. And you know what? I make so many, so many mistakes. So many mistakes. But he's still good. And so facing the Lord is your calling. And when you stand strong in the Lord, before we even jump into the armor, before we even realize the warfare, we're told to stand and face your daddy. Stand and face your God because he is the strength. 
So let's keep going. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's time to wake up and realize that we are actually at war. And that's not something, as I've said, because Jesus laughs in the face of his enemies. So it's not something that we know, we're at war, like, you know, freak out, battle stations, no. Stand in the Lord and rest in the Lord and let him fight your battles. You notice in the Bible, it always says, cling on or stand firm. Those are always the commands. It's never go, like, do something. It's stand firm in the Lord and watch him move. Watch him use your life for the supernatural. Watch him, use your, watch him use your life to speak or share the gospel in situations that you never would have even imagined. I was telling Kayla, there was one point in my life where I remember really young going for a walk with the Lord and I felt God say, go knock that door and tell them about Jesus. I didn't even know he lived there. I was like, what the heck? And truthfully, I didn't do it. I was afraid. And I walked away and my head was low and God said, I did not lead you out here to show you how you failed. I led you out here to show you where I'm going to take you. And God's always going, come with me. I've got a better life. I've got a better journey. You come with me and I will give you the part. And actually, this is the thing about the armor of God. All these things are given. We love because he first loved us. So even love, it's all given. And so standing firm in the Lord, and the title of this message, which I haven't even said, is fight with what you've been given. What you've been given is himself. And from that comes the power. And from that comes all the tools that you need. And we're going to keep going because I get really sidetracked. In Uganda, we, were, we went to this home. And uh, it, was a, it was a home that was working with crisis pregnancy. So all these, these ladies, like, actually, there was a girl who had got pregnant at 12, like horrendous circumstances. But one of the first things that the, kind of the, the lady that is the head social worker who runs the, the home, she said that the, one of the biggest things we deal with is spiritual warfare. And so it's very real in Africa, like a lot of these like witch doctors and a lot, you see a lot of like spiritual stuff that occur. And, um, and we started to witness some of it. We started to witness a lot of the girls who, who really were, had such traumatic experiences, like come under, you know, it was, it was really crazy to see. They were, they were shouting, but they were really locked in and it was like a possession. But it was amazing when we watched those ladies because they didn't fear. What they actually did was they just began to pray. They just began to worship and it was so normal in their life. And, and eventually after time, they started to see like the person completely changed and the spirit was lifted. And all that to say, it's important to realize that there is an enemy who is not happy with what God's doing. There is an enemy and there's actually an enemy who even in that instance, whether it's like a possession or whether it's anxiety or whether it's a fear or whether it's you're consumed with finances, actually they all do the same thing. They distract you from what's true. Whether it's like a possession, like it's something as serious as that, or, or whatever it is, the enemy is constantly trying to make you turn. When Paul says, stand firm in the Lord, stand face the Lord, he's trying to get you to turn. And actually doubt that he's good. And so I, I remember having a dream when we were there, and um, I, I had a really strange dream, but I dreamt during the night that there was, there was definitely like something happening. And I, like, it kind of woke me, I woke up a little like unsettled. And, but what happened in the dream was, as all this stuff was going on around me, I felt in the dream that I started, I started to sing, you know the song, Build My Life? I will build my life upon, just declaring that in the dream. And I woke up the next day and I felt, I grabbed the pen and I started writing about this dream. And the Lord, I wrote this, this line where God had spoke to me and said, worship 
is not a platform for success. It is elevation over your enemy. Because when you lift the name of Jesus high and when you lift those truths that you are good, Father, the enemy cannot be around it. Whatever the enemy looks like, whatever your warfare looks like, when you declare that God is good, when you lift the truth high, the enemy has no place. And funny, the, the first thing that, that we read about in the armor of God, so we move on. I'm going to find, I've lost my place in the Bible. Let me find it. All right. So verse 13, then put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, you'll be standing firm. Remember I, I talked about that thing, the call to stand firm. It's not go nuts, it's stand firm in what's true. And, and Paul says after the battle, if you do this, you'll be standing firm. Why? Because God's held you up. Because God has fought your battles. And verse 14, so stand your ground and put on the belt of truth. You see, when you declare those things, you're good. You're actually putting on the belt of truth because what does a belt do? A belt holds everything together. So everything in your life may be falling apart, but when you put on the belt of truth, it holds things together. You know, it's not just this little, we've got to realize this. These are not just these little fancy dress outfits that we read about in the Bible. Oh, that's pretty cool. Because actually when the lady in Africa was teaching us about spiritual warfare, she taught from this passage. And I saw it in a whole new different light. Whoa. This is not just this little fuddy-duddy story. This is real. Because there is warfare. There's anxiety trying to hit your life. There's doubt. There's depression. There's all sorts that is knocking on your door. Surprise, that's life. That's, that's what the world we live in. And that is why we have been given a truth to hold everything together. When you go out on your own, it's far easier to be picked off. But when you're surrounded by your father, he laughs at the face of his enemies. Because you're his. So, so put it on the belt of truth. My, the spine of my Bible's annoying. When you, when you set it down, it just closes. So it, it's really irritating. I'm going to just continue anyway. And so the belt of truth, and then moving on, we see the, the body, the armor of righteousness. And what really struck me about this is one thing that, you know, when, when there was a lot of wars and battles, you could distinguish an army by their armor. You know, when you saw in the distance these guys coming, whatever they had, like it may be like a red cross, or you knew who they were. You knew who was coming at you, whether it be the Roman army or whatever. And the thing about, but the body armor of righteousness, it's more than just your, your shield. It is your shield. It's your protection, but it's your identity. You're marked with the right standing that God has given us. And actually, this, this thing of righteousness can be sometimes confusing. I'm going to hopefully clear it up. Self-righteous is an attempt. Righteousness is given. So righteousness basically just means right standing. And it's by the grace of God that you have been given access to God. So you have been given righteousness, like the armor. And you put it on, and that is your identity. And that is, that is what names you. Because if you live your whole life looking to be affirmed by, by everyone, or looking to be affirmed by this and that and the other, you'll, you'll feel disappointed. But when your identity is your right standing, is your relationship, is your righteousness that has been given to you. There's a song that Beth will sing, and I love the line, it says, my soul will rest because my righteousness is found in you. And so part of this armor is not just like 
defense, because it is your defense, it's also who you are. When you're marching in the light of God, as the, all the Africans love singing, loved it, they're really great dancers, but that was one of the ones that they were going after, and that kept hitting me every time we sang it, because when we march in the light of God, righteousness is our identity. That's like the color of our armor. That's who we are. By the grace of God, you're owned. There's like a stamp on your head, mine, by Father. And so we move on to the belt of truth. Or sorry, for shoes first. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. So we hear peace is described as shoes. And shoes, obviously, is, is a representation of where we go. And so, so Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so peace is something that Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So peace I give you. So again, peace is given. In your circumstance, you could be facing the worst situation, but God can give you peace. Go on the Father, and peace is given. And so it's, it's described as something that almost goes in our feet. So wherever we go, we bring peace because we bring the gospel of Jesus. And, and that actually can be hard sometimes to live out because we think that always looks like, you know, preaching in a, in a place. But all, that, that also can look like you might walk into a shop, and this is a challenge. I'm going to challenge you to do this, right? Because I was challenged to do this, to live differently. So when you walk into like a shop, and you know the way sometimes you see like they have like their name tag, call them by their name. Ask them, how's your day going? Because everybody's standing there doing an eight-hour shift. They're having the worst day. And I tell you something, you watch God move when you start to step out of the boat and when you start to actually live this so that on your feet, you bring peace. And on your, on your feet, you carry joy and you carry life. Because I tell you something, we don't need religion anymore. We don't need this standard that people always think they need to live by. We need a manifestation of Jesus. Big fancy word for representation of Jesus. The world is crying out for it. That's what changed my life. And I don't know your stories, but I'm sure you could think of someone maybe in your life that you saw it lived out and you thought, that's cool. And let that activate something within you. Let's not just be these people that are normal. And, and when a waiter comes over and they maybe take too long, we're like, what are you doing taking forever? Or I ordered this and I go to, you know. Let's be people that bring peace. Let's be people that go, I understand you're having a really hard day. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Honestly, they're simple and small things, but I tell you, they make such a difference. Church, we have got to be different. If someone's driving and they annoy you, I, I've got a bit of a road rage sometimes, Kilata. I'm like, Ugh! you know, someone pulls in front of me and cuts your line off. You're like, what the heck? And the natural thing could be to, you know, give the finger or whatever. Let's be people that, let's be people that are different. Let's be people that hold back from, from raging out on people. Because I tell you something, the one thing that we love to do as humans is give people a piece of our mind. But I'll tell you something, when we sit under God and we let him speak to us, we then start to give a piece of his mind. That's so much better. And so on our feet, let's bring peace. Let's be peacemakers. Let's be people that are different. And, and that is a challenge. And I, and I really, I'm being convicted even in that message because so many times I hold back. We don't have to ram them with something. Sometimes it might just be a simple case of, you know, how's your day going? I'll tell you a story. I, I used to work in Maggie Mays, Belfast, when I was at uni. And um, this is when God really started to, to challenge my, my life on, on, on this kind of living. And I remember it was towards the end of a shift, and I just, there was loads of scones left over. And we, every day when I finished Maggie Mays, I would have to walk to get the bus. Um, but anyway, these scones were all left over, and I felt the Lord say one day, just, just bring them, put them in a bag. So it was like 10 p.m., finished my shift, 
And I walked out, and I, and I was actually intending to bring them home. I, I lived with my best friend, so I was intending to bring it home for his mum. I started walking past these people, and the Lord was like, give out scones. I felt like, you know, like a, a baker, just going, hey, it's gone. But honestly, it was cool. So the Lord was like, give out scones. So I'm telling you, there was about six or seven scones in this bag, like all different sorts. I didn't even take a note of what was there, and that's an important piece of detail. So there's all different types of scones. So I was just giving them out, you know. Hey, there's a Jones scone, there you go. You know, it was great, and we were having some conversations. And then as, as I was walking, God showed me this picture of the Europa Hotel. And that was actually out of the way of the bus. So I was like, right, okay. It must be God because it's not the direction I'm going. So anyway, I started to head off that direction. And I saw this guy who was like sitting outside the Europa. And the Lord was like, go, go to him. And I had two scones left in the bag, right? Again, important. So I sat down and I was like, please don't think I'm weird. This is going to sound so crazy. But there is a God who is alive. And he's told me to bring you these two scones. And the guy was like, right. You wacko. And then he actually hit me with the truth because he had actually been really hurt by religion. He was, re- I could tell. And he said to me, well, I tell you what, right? If your God's real, if your God is real, he will know that I only enjoy white chocolate scones and wheat and scones. Now, bear in mind, I had given him the bag at this point, so the bag was out of my control, right? I'm going, oh dear, I don't know what is in this bag. He could open this bag and it's not those scones. And he's like, see, your God's a Lord, you know, whatever. So I was like, well, this is totally out of my hands. The guy opens the bag and I promise you, I'm not lying. There was a white chocolate scone and a wheat scone in that bag. He broke down and gave his life to God. Now, how insane is that? How insane is that? And that is nothing. That is nothing to do with me. Because I'm actually sitting truthfully lacking serious faith going, I don't know what's in this bag. I would rather, if I had the choice, probably would have taken the bag back and went to the shop and bought two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's what happens. Faith is, is rock sometimes and we don't trust God. But God was like, literally, all I saw was Europa and scones. And God had a plan to save that guy's life. Why do I say this? Because when we live in a radical boldness that's different, people stop and notice you actually, when you wake up in the morning, you say, God, I give you my yes. Today, when I put this armor on, I'm putting on the shoes, I'm putting on peace, and I'm going to carry it, and I'm going to carry the message, and wherever I go, I give you my yes. And I'll tell you something, stand back and watch a move, because it's like, these stories don't happen on an everyday, so when they do happen, it's pretty crazy. And I, I, I sprinted to the bus in tears, like, you'll never get to watch this happen. This guy got saved. Peace is what we're called to put on. And when we live like that, it's different. Now, I talked a while ago about the air fresheners, uh, Christian air fresheners, and I've seen some were made. Thank you, Jenna. She'd actually made some air fresheners. And what I was saying of that analogy is that we're, we should be like an air freshener. Like when we're squeezed, out comes this awesome smell of Jesus, this aroma of peace, of life that's different. Like, guys, this armor that God is talking about is not just this, like, you know, it is this warfare of fighting, but it's also what we carry. It's also our identity. It's also our clothes. It's what we're told to put on. And then we're looking at the shield of faith. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And, and faith is where it all comes down to, really. Because we live in a world where, especially people that maybe don't believe in God, it's like trying to nail you with all these facts. And then actually even theories that try to prove God, that still requires faith. Because no one knows. Except we do. We've got the Holy Spirit living inside us. But it requires faith. It requires a faith to hold God's name high and say, God, I still believe you. 
even though things look really hard, I still believe you. But that, that actually is an action. Notice it says hold up. So we're actually called to do an action. If you, keep your, if you keep your faith down, don't be surprised when you're dodging arrows. Don't be surprised when every single day you're getting hit hard because we're called to live by faith. There's a beautiful passage in Hebrews 11. I'm not going to go to it, but the writer really goes to town. He starts naming all these people, boom, 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 all these people that live by faith. And he actually, at the end of it, says, these people didn't just survive. They overthrew kingdoms by faith. And it is faith that made the woman well when she was trying to get up to Jesus and she touched his cloak. And Jesus turned around and said, woman, your faith has made you well. Faith is your defense mechanism against the fiery hours of the enemy. When you're feeling anxiety, when you're feeling depression, when you're feeling stress and worry and, and all these things, the second you hold up faith, the second you hold up the, the shield of faith, just watch those arrows boing, 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 bounce off them. Because that's what it is to come under our God. And I'll tell you a really cool story as well. I'll, story, I'll tell you a cool story of, of when we were in Uganda and we were supposed to do some street reach and there was like a, a government thing had, had passed, um, a law that had prevented us actually from doing the street reach, but it was so last minute, literally. The morning we were supposed to do it, a woman came to us and said, guys, I'm sorry. At the minute, we're, our hands are kind of tied. You can't go out on the street, but we have this home that we'd love you to go to and do your camp, and there's about 175 kids, all from 13 to 18, and all these kids have convictions or they're waiting for their sentences to be passed. So it was like a juvenile center almost, um, and some of these, <laughs> you should, a pin dropped in our team when they said this. Some of these kids are in there for murder. We were like, right, okay. But guys, it's cool. We, we think this is really good. This is the first time this charity had ever reached out to this place. So we're, we're sending you in. We don't know how it's going to go, but go for it. So we sat in the team that morning. We were like, all right, this, this is going to require faith because we have nothing planned. We don't know what this is going to be like. We're not even prepared. And so we're like, whatever. So we just prayed that faith would come across the team. We prayed that we would have faith and we would have, you know, the boldness to go in and do it. So we arrived, ran our kids camp, and all the kids really, we could tell they were like, you know, they were in it. They were quite closed off, but some of them were sort of getting into it. And then the lady came up and said, we thought we were finished. The lady said, you guys have another hour. We were like, right, okay. So they improvised and had to continue. But the Lord had a plan because what happened was the lady had said, Matthew and a few others, would you guys mind sharing? We've got this time. And so I started to share and um, I shared a bit of my testimony, and we, we started to open up, and um, from Romans 8 was where I felt God was, was wanting to really go at, about being sons of God, and we just had finished, and I turned to the translator, and I said, right, you know, let's pray, and the guy said, hold on a second, I, this is Frank, by the way, this, remember I was talking about Frank, Frank was like, hold on a second, I, I feel like something's happening here, let's keep going, I'm like, right, okay, so we just kept going and kept praying, and you know, in, in our hearts, but kept speaking and teaching, and then Frank started to, to say these, these words in, 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 in African, in Ugandan, and he basically was doing an altar call. And he turned around really quickly and said to me, grab the team, we need a prayer ministry team assembled fast. And as he said a couple of words, all of a sudden these hands started to go up. And I'm, I kid you not, I'm, I'm really not making this up, there was about 30 or 40 kids on the spot give their life to Jesus. On the spot, these kids that were in there. And actually the sad thing is a lot of these kids were there for nothing, for no other reason than being on the street. What happens is the government try to get them off the street, so they arrest them, they just throw a random crime at them and basically to get them off the street. So a lot of these kids even had done nothing wrong. And they're there mixed with a whole lot of different circumstances. But faith that morning that came upon us, like, guys, it doesn't matter, we're not prepared, but let's go for it. And I tell you guys, when we hold that shield up of faith, 
the enemy tries to knock us down, but I'm telling you, when you lift Jesus high, when we start to believe this God that we serve, it's by faith, crazy things will happen. We're, we're, we're wrapping up. We're almost there. I'm going to just read the last couple of verses. So verse 17, let's go from there. So put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Two things really quickly. Salvation, notice it's a helmet. Why? Because it's also a mindset, a salvation mindset. And it comes down to righteousness and understanding that, that there are thoughts that rise up in our mind and we have got to take these thoughts captive because they cripple the church. And I really believe insecurity and fear is one of the biggest cripplers right now of, of the church. So we wear the salvation mindset as our helmet that we are saved, that God is for us. Those things take thought it's captive that shouldn't be there. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. One of the things that when my life was really transformed, I remember praying that I, I struggled to read. I told you that before. I struggled to read books. I just, I don't have the attention span. I'm like an antsy child. So I struggled to read. And actually, if we're being honest, I'm not going to ask a show of hands, but reading the Bible can be pretty hard. And I don't know if you're in a position right now where maybe you are really struggling to read the Bible. And actually, even when I was preparing for this, I really did feel like, there are some of us that struggle with that, and that's okay, right? That's okay, and I, I feel like it's important to know some things that really help me as well in that respect, because sometimes when we go to reading the Bible, we think we need to become these unreal scholars, so when we read a passage, we have to be like knowing the whole thing inside out, and, and our heads are wrecked, and that's not actually what the Word of God's for. The Word of God already is the power, and so you might spend a season in one chapter. That's okay. You might spend some time, actually, if you're struggling, here's, here's maybe a practical example. Go to the Psalms and spend some time in the Psalms and reject these thoughts that come your way that you're not doing well enough. Reject these thoughts that come and go, you don't know enough, you suck. Because that's what the enemy's trying to do. Spend some time in the Psalms or even go to the gospel. Go to John, I love John. And, and maybe spend some time and write these down if you want. It's 14, 15, and 16, those three chapters. Because they're like, it's a beautiful time when, when Jesus is given like his final instructions to his disciples before he goes. And the disciples say, now you're speaking plainly. Now we understand. It's a really beautiful chunk of the Bible. And actually, another thing I used to do was I used to listen to the Bible. I still do. So like the audio Bible, I used to actually go to bed at night and have Romans 8. I love Romans 8. It talks about living in the spirit and no longer under condemnation. It says that we are more than conquerors. I used to just go to sleep listening to that on loop. Like, it's so subconscious, I wasn't even, like, focusing on it, I was just sleeping. But I wake up, and I tell you, it did something, because, wait, newsflash, God doesn't sleep. You ever thought about that? God doesn't sleep. And so if you're struggling to read the Word of God, let it take hold of you, because it's alive. Hebrews 4 says it's sharper than the sharpest double-edged sword. It is alive. This is not just a book. This is not just a bunch of words on a page. This, is, this thing is a deadly weapon. We're told here it is the sword. And it's the truth that we stand on. And so verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers anywhere. It's not enough just to go through the motions. And I'm not saying that from a religious spirit. I'm saying it for your own heart. It's not enough just every day to, 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 to not let the gospel of Christ transform your life. It's not enough to, to just ignore the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, again, in, in, it's described in that chunk of scripture I was talking about in John where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and he says that the Spirit is God with you and in you and the Spirit will only speak what he hears me say. The Holy Spirit is God. 
And it is God with us. And when we worship and we lift God high and we feel the presence of God, woo, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not something to be freaked out by. And when we feel the power, when we see healings or we see like that room in Africa, when we see those kids all getting saved, it's the Holy Spirit. Alive, moving. And it's not something to go, like we hear a lot of this nowadays that the Holy Spirit is not moving. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. Because of course he is. Of course he is. Jesus says, you will see the same things. You will do the same things I did, if not greater. The Holy Spirit is alive, and Paul says to pray in the Spirit at all times. And what that means is be in communion with God. Because we're going to tell you, God wants to give us his heart. So when you carry peace and when you go into a shop, don't be surprised if all of a sudden you have something to share with this person. Hey, I just, you're here, and I, I really feel like I need to tell you you're beautiful. That's the Holy Spirit. Whether it be encouragement or whether it be a very accurate word, whatever it looks like, it might be a picture. Guys, it's time to start being bold, really. It's time to stop seeing this, this armor. And I'm, ch- and I'm challenging myself when I say this. I really am. I'm, speak- I'm preaching this over myself. It's time to stop seeing these things as a fancy dress that we just, oh, the armor of God. Like, uh, let's be real. We've all heard of the armor of God. We've all heard it taught. But it is a call of activation. It is a call because then when, when, when struggles come, when difficult times come, we're like, what do I do? What do I do? We fight with what we've been given. And what we've been given is himself. I'm going to finish on this because I'm way over. We were at a conference um, two weeks ago, Kayla and I, and we were sitting and we were praying, and this kid um, came out. Um, and is it autism, Kayla? Isn't that? Down syndrome. Um, amazing testimony, a miracle. This, the, guy's, the kid's called Caleb, but a miracle in his life um, had occurred. Um, and anyway, just full of life, full of God. And we, we were, he came over and we were like, um, we were praying. They said, would you, would you pray for us? And this kid looked at us and he's like, okay, wh- why? We were like, well, we, we, we just want more of God. And he said, but you already have him. And I'll tell you something, that revelation hit me like a train of bricks. Because there is this place where we're like hungry for God. But when we realize that God has already given himself to us the fullness of Christ. The Holy Spirit is inside you. I love Romans 8. I keep talking about it, but Romans 8 talks about the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. So who can rise up and say the Holy Spirit's not moving? Who can rise up and say that God is not alive and active when the Word says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you, so healing is possible. Miracles are possible. In Jesus' name, they're possible because God is alive and active. So guys, in conclusion, I'm wrapping this up. It is time to come out of the old and into the new. You may have only recently given your life to God. Awesome. One of the first things that Jesus says to Lazarus when he comes out of the tomb is take off those old clothes. So if you've just given your life to God or if this whole journey is new to you, do not be discouraged if you feel like you suck. Reject that because you're under the grace of God and your father looks at you and goes, you're awesome. If you're one of these people that compare yourself to other people, reject that. Come under what God says and realize your Father loves you. Doesn't matter where you are, He's there. Doesn't matter what you're facing, He's there. Whether you're mountaintop or valley, He's there. It's time to come out of the old and into the new. God has given Himself to us. And the armor is an amazing example where Paul just gets, or gets really clever and describes everything. All in this thing saying God has given Himself to us. And it's described in different items of clothing all the conclusion of 
here's myself. And when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was right down the middle and presence and relationship is now freely accessible. So guys, the band, you wanna come back up? Um, and as the guys start to kind of play in the background, let's, let's all stand up for a second. That's a lot, and I told you is a bit of a journey. Well done, we made it. But it's now the question of what do we do, right? Because we hear these messages, and we hear this truth, but like I said, what is the shield of faith? It is hold it up, so there is a choice. There is a choice that we have every day. We can wake up and we can choose God, or we can wake up and say, I'm gonna do it myself. And so, Firstly, there might be someone right now in this room that maybe has never actually believed in God. Or, and, and maybe right now you feel something stern in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's so, he's so patient, you know. God could very easily just, but what he does is he stands and he knocks. He stands and he knocks. And you may be seeing examples of God in your life or this might be the first time. Well, I'll tell you something. Please do not leave this door. Do not leave this room without surrendering your life into your Father. He is calling you to himself. He's calling you to himself. And I'll tell you something, I used to be an idiot. I was about to swear there, I'm not gonna swear. But that's to sum up who I used to be. And God has changed my life. And all I can do is stand on this podium, whether it's leading worship, whether it's declaring Jesus, is tell you that I got nothing except Jesus. And he's pretty good. And I still make mistakes, but he's pretty good. And so, maybe that's the faith that you need. Maybe that's what you need, I say, in your life right now to change your life. Please do not leave this room without either having a conversation with someone. I'm gonna pray in a second. And you can repeat this in your heart. But the Bible talks about the second you believe in God, something shifts in the heavenly realm. Something shifts, something starts to happen, something starts to stir. <gasps> people, people believe. The second you open your heart to go, God, I see you. And I believe you might be there. Act on it, man. And for the second person who's maybe really getting it tough, and maybe there's an element of conviction in this, or maybe there's an element of frustration, you also have a choice. You have a choice every day. I have a choice every day. Am I going to say yes to God today? Am I going to come under him? Am I going to let him be the father that he's supposed to be? Or am I going to try and do it myself and put the straight face and go, I've got this. For that person, you have a choice too. I have a choice. That's what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to pick up the armor? Or are we going to choose to just let life run over the top of us? So for those both people, I'm going to do two separate, I'm going to pray two separate prayers. Um, but I would really encourage you in this time of worship, actually ask the Lord, God, remove my fear of man, right? Right, remove my fear of man, because I, I don't know about you, but I get really sick of myself when I'm in positions, and I just want to worship. But I'm like, what are they going to think about me? I actually hate listening to podcasts back, because I look at myself and go, what am I doing? I'm nuts. But it's Jesus. And actually, when you come under Jesus, you release that fear. So you can realize that I can dance. I can be weird. I can be crazy. Because Father loves me. So I'm going to pray.
firstly for you, who maybe you're, you're in a position and you, you've never heard of God before and this is the first time, inside yourself, just, just repeat what I'm saying. And then the second thing is, please do not leave this room without telling someone, right? Because you're not called to do this alone. So I'm gonna pray, Father, Father God, I thank you that you know me. And I thank you that in the quiet of this moment right now, you see me. I thank you that you love me. And I open my heart to you. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of thinking I've got this. I'm tired of living just a mediocre life. And I choose you. Holy Spirit, fill me up. And give me strength. Amen. We're going to stay in this, this place. For the other person who, who is convicted or struggling, Father, I thank you that you love your church. I thank you that you love your bride. I thank you that you see our heart. And although so often our journey, we mess up. God, you love me. Father, you've given me everything I need to run this race. You've given me everything I need to stand firm. So I surrender myself under your hand. Thank you, Lord. For those two people, please don't leave this room without having a conversation with someone. Please don't leave this room trying to do this yourself, all right? Because look at, look, at, look, at look at this right now. This is unreal. It's a room full of people. <laughs> it's cool. It's church. We're not, it's not supposed to be this place where you walk in and everyone's like, oh, what are they wearing? Oh, weird outfit. They're weird. It's supposed to be a hospital for the broken. I believe this is what God's doing here. And I believe his spirit is moving in a really cool way. So if this is your first Sunday, please come back. If this is your first time ever in church, hey, come back every week. I'll tell you, God's a blast. He's fun. Mm -hmm. It'll change your life. So we're going to transition into our worship song. Um, please do not just go back to normality because I told you about Job. The prize is God. So while we're worshiping, there's going to be communion going on at the back so you guys can go back and, and receive communion. You can sit you can stand, you can dance, you can raise your hand, you can cry, you can laugh. Be free of people and be free of yourself and stand before the king. Let's worship. <laughs>